0: You're on. Hey, sports fans. Welcome to Greg Medford Show from Phoenix, Arizona. I don't even know what the date is today. It's Wednesday of some kind. Um, We've got a guest in the house today, one of our Arizona uh, state politicians. Got a career from the Air Force and here a big voice that's being heard around the country. 2020 was a crazy year. The election was crazy. Um, We're not coming at you live as normal. We're uh, making our first shift over to, what the hell is this thing called, Rumbler? is it called rumble rumble Rumble. see i'm supposed to know what it's all called but i i don't take care of the technical part of it um we are going to talk a little bit about today about uh, state politics about borders changing about the election in 2020 i know guys are always asking me about this and i've been kicked off youtube and kicked off other social media platforms enough i kind of have avoided this topic too heavily um, I've had a couple other state senators on talking about this and we are always our blood pressure goes up and the uh, and the censorship goes up with it. And so today our first time doing a non live show that we're going to uh, press to you guys out in rumble and then uh, you'll see it around elsewhere. And then as soon as I'm out of my last 90 day trial period, maybe parts of it will be up as a little promo letting you know we're here. So Without much further ado, Wendy Rogers, Arizona State Center from District 6, which is northern Arizona, parts of other counties. We're going to dive into it with her. Wendy, how are you today?
1: Hey, it's great to be here. It is the 1st of December, and we're down here near the Capitol. I live in Flagstaff, and uh, my constituents are very hard scrabble, rural kinds of Arizonans, and they want me to represent them well and loudly in Phoenix.
0: Awesome. Um, What have you... uh, how have you, I, I, I like to hear everyone's kind of fallout feedback from what happened in 2020, because a lot of us, our heads are still spinning from it. I, and I, honestly, the numbness is a little worn off and we're just kind of like, all right, we have four years of ding dong to get through, to get back to, you know, kind of moving America forward again. Tell me a little bit about some behind the scenes that you know about the election, because I wanted to talk about it with you directly, if you don't mind, because, uh, I have so many friends and, and, and fans who kind of ask, say, hey, you're out in Arizona, whatever happened with the recount? And they say, yeah, well, on CNN, they said it just verified that that Biden won. Um, when I talk about it with my friends over a whiskey at, at a bar or something, I'll say, uh, y- y- you know, he just didn't win big enough for this thumb that's always on the scale, because it seemed like the thumb's on the scale. Um, give me a little feedback and just put that mic up just a little higher so it's sure. kind of right in front of you. Sure. Yeah.
1: You've asked me a real multifaceted question, so I'll start kind of at the beginning. I was elected in November uh, from four other counties, so my personal experience was in Cottonwood at the VFW with all of my supporters, and I won a race uh, where Soros and Bloomberg spent profligately against me to the tune of millions of dollars. I had to raise a million dollars as a state legislative candidate, which is unheard of. right. All private donations, no lobbyist checks do I ever accept. And so we went to bed that night uh, knowing that I had won, and my lead increased uh, from six to eight points, and I was supposed to have a tight race, but I worked hard and and won. At that point, we thought Donald Trump would be our uh, re-elected president. Then, of course, we all woke up in the morning and realized uh, that it was stolen, And then I didn't get sworn in until January. Well, in November, three, four weeks after the election, my colleagues, again, before I was even sworn in, held a hearing in Phoenix uh, at a hotel where Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis came out and heard testimony. I sat in the front row, as did my husband, and we started hearing these incredible stories of shenanigans with... uh, the vote and how things were wrong. And people would sign affidavits and and put out testimony about uh, so much corruption that they thought they saw. So then uh, one thing led to another, and my colleagues uh, decided that they would vote on a resolution to have an audit, not a recount, an audit. Okay, big difference. Um, Now, bear in mind, uh, we only have had and still have A one-vote majority in the Arizona Senate. We have 16 And how does that
0: happen in Arizona, for God's sake? Well,
1: redistricting 10 years ago was done disproportionately, and that's going to hopefully be remedied soon with this latest iteration of redistricting. So when they
0: did the redistricting, which they do based on the census whenever that happens, every 10 years, is that right? They do
1: it uh, because of the census that's dictated by the U.S. Constitution. But the way it's done in Arizona is it is a five-member independent redistricting commission, IRC c chaired by an independent and then two republicans and two democrats And the way it happened 10 years ago was that uh, Democrat districts were light on population. Republican districts were heavy on population. And so there was a disproportionate unevenness there. And so now we live with that result, hopefully not for too much longer, where we have one vote majority in the state Senate, 16 Republican, 14 Democrat. Mm -hmm. And similarly in the Arizona State House, 31-29. So my race was particularly important that I win uh, Northern Arizona to maintain that one-vote majority. Mm-hmm. So where we then began in January was to commence this this audit. After I was sworn in, it was already underway. Right. Now, we were working uh, with, quote-unquote, with the Maricopa County supervisors, who were uh, Republican in name only, and who thwarted us at every turn. Uh, They said we could evaluate the machines at the county. Then they changed their minds.
0: Let me ask you a question about that. Why? Why? Why were they thwarting? Do they have some skin in the game for it being one way or the other? If they're quote unquote Republicans, what? What? What's the? You know, well, w- when there's think. a crime, one of the first things you do is look at it, say, what right. was the? What's the? The uh... cover
1: up's worse than the crime. So yes, it's highly suspicious that they thwarted us at every turn. Not only with the machines, but with the physical ballots. They said we could uh, count them there, and then they said no, and then they tried to drop them off to. Uh, Uh, violate the chain of custody to make us look as though we weren't tracking everything. I I just don't
0: understand why they were trying to undermine it. Were they, were they feeling like,
1: uh, everything were they being
0: insecure that did the fact there was a recount going, did it, again,
1: it's an audit, not a recount, just to be clear. Okay.
0: So you're talking about the audit. There was a recount eventually, right?
1: It's all part of, and let me explain that if I may. So, um, To answer the first part of your question subjectively, absolutely, they must have something to hide because of everything we've found in terms of all the different anomalies and inexplicable uh, deficiencies in how things were conducted. Um, But uh, long story short, we did an audit, which was a cyber forensic deep dive audit, which means we evaluated every single ballot. All right,
0: pause. Let me do this because everyone's asking questions right now. So are we talking about the cyber ninjas thing that we all saw on national news, or is this before that actually got spooled up, or separate from that?
1: All of it is the cyber ninjas. So this audit. is
0: all part of the cyber ninjas, and and so all I, of it is. I, I've had yeah. I've had uh, you know um, um, the I've had Senate members in already, and nobody's made the nuance between recount and audit.
1: It all happened together, okay? Okay. So if you had followed it, you might have seen the colored Lazy Susan tables. That were on the floor of the Phoenix Convention Center, mm-hmm. which is what we ended up having to rent, at the Phoenix. Uh, sorry, the Phoenix Coliseum, not the Convention Center, down at the fairgrounds, mm-hmm. and uh, so there would be I think five people at each colored table, and the ballots would be counted and recounted within a very practically uh, non-existent margin of error, and so all of them were counted and recounted, and uh, but then also. Each ballot was evaluated forensically with four different parameters um, in terms of the fibers of the paper with a microscopic camera, Mm -hmm. Uh, the fibers of the paper, whether or not the oval bubble was filled out by a human or not.
0: So there was authentication going on. It wasn't just so they did a count and then they did an authentication.
1: Right. And let's talk about that count for a second, because. At the beginning of the interview, you said that the feedback was, well, they counted and recounted and Biden still won. That is such a fallacious sort of myth that's out there by the Mm -hmm. left. It's because if you have, say, for example, $1,001 bills, $1,001 bills, and then you recount them, you're going to get $1,001 bills. But if 400 of them are counterfeit, you have a corrupt result, and so that is what the audit has shown on many different levels corrupt results. Now you ask me well why hasn't something been concluded? Why haven't arrests been made? It's in the hands of the Arizona Attorney General. It is a very complex um, multi-level detail investigation. So
0: let me ask a couple questions then for anyone who's going to be listening and they'll be wondering the same thing right now. Were there extra ballots? Uh, Is that what they found?
1: I think it's more a question of ballots that were suspiciously uh, um, cast.
0: Because everybody says these nebulous phrases, but...
1: Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, There were thousands of envelopes that were accepted as being valid ballots cast that had no signature on the envelope or just had one little scratch on the envelope. Well, by law, those should not have been counted. You have situations where people voted who were from outside Maricopa County. They were counted. You have all kinds of situations, uh, dozens of kinds of situations where ballots were counted and should not have been. Plus, you have um, very suspicious circumstances where, say, for example, again, those envelopes that didn't have signatures, Mm -hmm. they came in as an avalanche. Uh, input on the day before the day of and the day after the election so that the officials uh, were were inundated and just counted them anyway because they couldn't keep up so there were a lot of suspicious uh, things that happened not only that but really most troubling is video uh, imagery of three different people deleting data from computers the day before the subpoenas were served. And so that's criminal. And I have called for arrests and perp walks uh, at the behest of the Attorney General. And that's not happened yet. Uh, But we, I expect that to happen. And so what you have here-
0: So you're looking for Brnovich to, uh, and do you know behind the scenes, is he like building a case right now or is he focused on his campaign? He
1: said he has started a criminal investigation.
0: Okay. All right. So there's a criminal investigation based on basically the Arizona Senate's quasi grand jury uh, investigation into the election. It's kind of like a grand jury.
1: Not really. It's a a very technical investigation. Let me explain to you the kinds of companies that were involved. Cyber Ninjas is a... um, Application security company that's been in business for years and years and is at the very top of the heap in terms of excellence and top secret access. Um, uh, Cypher, C Y capital F capital I capital R, is a data uh, security company uh, headed by Ben Cotton, former Army Ranger. Um, They are also at the top of the uh, cyber forensic pyramid, if you will. Uh, And one illustration of that is that Cypher actually discovered the Office of Personnel Management breach at uh, the federal government level, where you and I, who had secret or top secret clearances, filled out applications Mm -hmm. when we were on active duty to get those. All those applications were breached and had been being breached for three years. Cypher went in to do a demo on some completely different suite and found it.
0: Yeah that was that in the news a couple of years ago or when? yes yeah okay.
1: and I want to say maybe something like five or six years ago yeah. don't pin me down okay and then um they so that's... what you're
0: saying is there were credible people who were looking oh, at oh my
1: gosh yeah so,
0: but let's just uh let me if I can just because the conversation can get so complex that yes. people listening to it start to drool um did the is there quantifiable like I I still can't can't seem to get a straight answer from anybody who's been involved in this. Okay, I
1: know what you're asking me. Are there enough votes, Senator Rogers, to say that Biden didn't win and Trump did? There are enough votes in question to say that the result that we turned in and quote-unquote certified last January is in question. And until a complete and final report is uh, rendered criminality wise by the Attorney General, we still have enough to say that the report we turned in last January was not credible, was okay. not accurate, and should be decertified. Now you're going to ask me, well, what does that mean?
0: No, no, I'm not. Uh, so, and
1: I called for decertification, but my other colleagues have not yet.
0: You know, I thought the decertification thing was kind of a cowardly lion move on the governor's part. I feel Certification like was. The, the, well, that this okay. That's this. Can, everything could can be debated, but the decertification. He said there's no mechanism to do that.
1: That's incorrect.
0: Well, it but that's what he said. You know, remember he said there's no for
1: himself. He's not allowed to. Can I explain how that works? Yeah, sure. Okay, so to recall electors, we have eleven electors. Mm-hmm. And to be able to recall them, you need a majority of the Arizona state senators and a majority of the Arizona state house representatives to say, we want to recall our 11 electors. Not necessarily reassign them to another presidential candidate, but to recall them, which is tantamount to decertification. Now, um, that is still uh, very much on the table. We reconvene in January, and by then hopefully Brnovich will have given us more uh, conclusions from a legal standpoint, Mm -hmm. and then that question can be asked. Now you ask me, well where does that go, and where does that figure into the larger picture? If 11, let's posit this uh, possibility for a moment, if 11 electors are recalled from Arizona, then where does that put the magic number 270, which is the number of electors that Biden or Trump would need to be Mm -hmm. officially president? Um, You would have to probably have two more states like Georgia, or Pennsylvania, or Michigan, or- uh,
0: Or two or three others that are in question. Wisconsin.
1: Uh, Similarly, quote unquote, recall its electors. And so say, for example, in the next nine months or so, uh, three states decided to recall their electors. Then neither uh, candidate, depending on if they reassign them or not, uh, could or could be president. Then you ask me, well, what happens after that? According to the U.S. Constitution, and this has happened once before, it goes to the U.S. House of Representatives.
0: For general vote.
1: And that's a very uh, precise thing that a lot of people don't understand. One vote for each state. Right. Based on the complexion of their state legislature it, back in November 2020. So in Arizona, for example, that's the one vote majority in the Senate, one vote majority in the House, which is what it is still, Right. would mean that Arizona would have a one Republican vote, and so you would have uh, again. I'm not sure what the breakdown is. I've been told it's 29-21, 29 Republican so, states, 21 Democrat states. In that scenario,
0: so so let me cut to the chase. It's taken us a year to partially pull our head out of our ass, and we still haven't taken action in one of the most rebellious states in the union. Pennsylvania's not going to do it. Wisconsin's <laughs> not going to do it. Georgia's not going to do it.
1: You can't say that.
0: Well. Uh, they, they don't have the ball rolling hard right now.
1: It, it may not uh, require a 2.1 million ballot forensic audit as it did for us. And besides, we're not done in, in Arizona yet. There are other counties here that are in question.
0: I'm not seeing it's not possible. I'm seeing it's uh, uh extre- it's ec- extremely impo- okay. improbable. Okay, so
1: this is how you have to look at it, okay? You and I are veterans, okay? This is a protracted battle. We're not gonna wake up on Christmas morning and have all the presents under the tree and everything Shangri-La moment. It's not gonna happen. Now, here is what my charge is and what your charge honestly should be. This is an inch by inch, day by day, protracted battle to find the truth of what happened in 2020. That's the first order of the day. That may take another couple of years. But it doesn't mean we don't stop because the very fabric of our republic is at stake. Num- Absolutely. Number- You've got to
0: have faith in voting.
1: Well, and you have to, and number two, you have to fix right. the corruption. Right. Now, there are two parts to that. Okay. Number one, we got to f- pass legislation, which I'm spearheading as well as my other colleagues, uh, to fix the corrupted mechanisms in our state that have enabled this to happen. Uh, and and number two, you have to be able to uh, enforce all of that and and elect people who will be able to help get that done. Now, 2022 is a quote-unquote uh, mid-year, midterm election. Yeah. And so my confidence lies in the fact that I think we will retake the U.S. House of Representatives,
0: I believe so, and
1: the U.S. Senate. Now you say to me, well, Senator Rogers, how can we be sure? Because there's so much hanky panky at the polling location on on election day and leading up to it. How are you going to ensure that it's a pristine, uh, fair uh, process? We have everybody has to get involved at every level in every state to ensure that. And what just happened? In Virginia, vis-a-vis New Jersey, is mm-hmm. real illustrative mm-hmm. because you see Virginians learned. They they followed uh, Arizona and they learned. And what they did was they turned out in droves. They overperformed. You in, won,
0: you win you win so big that the cheat isn't big well, enough. You to Well, you win big it. in
1: Chesterfield County. Uh, long, um, Virginia Beach and in the other rural parts of Virginia, knowing full well that Fairfax County is going to attemptively be uh, stolen. And so they had poll uh, watchers, they had lawyers. Okay, where was the RNC when New Jersey called and said, we need lawyers, Uh, and they got voicemail. I'm not exaggerating. Okay, so there's that. There is the time period that leads up to election day there is election day and then hanky-panky afterward too, if you allow people to continue Uh to voting. So there's that whole phenomenon.
0: I don't know who is that Lenin who said it's not who votes, it's who counts. Yes. Right. Well, then the the other
1: component, which you and I haven't discussed yet is the canvas with two S's on the end. C-A-N-V-A-S-S. Okay. That is the voter rolls. We have had corrupted, inflated, padded, uh, cheating voter rolls since probably 1988 all across the country especially in urban areas where dead people aren't removed you're just reading about this in the news today and yesterday in other states dead people not being removed illegal immigrants being added uh people being added surreptitiously where you and i don't realize it but very suspiciously because they all have the same two middle names i mean all kinds of cheating on the voter rolls, which I call pre-cheating, has been occurring for decades. And what does
0: that allow them to do so that we all understand?
1: That allows them to uh, cook the books and enable uh, extra votes to be put into a machine of phantom people. So say, for example, this conversation I had with our 10-year-old granddaughter, who's very bright. Uh, our kids are, grandkids are homeschooled. And so she looked at me and she said, explain to me how that works. I said, well, if a team came to your door right here and said, uh, who votes here? And mommy says, mommy and daddy vote here. And then they look at their voter rolls and they go, well, that's curious because now we have, according to our voter rolls, 18 people who vote from here. And my granddaughter, our granddaughter looked at me and said, grandma, how's that possible? And I go, exactly. We have situations where there might be an empty lot where there are 120 people registered there. Are they dead?
0: Is that really happening?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. That happened so much so that... Uh, we wanted to include that in the audit, but the federal government was bearing down on us so heavily that we couldn't include that in the audit. We didn't want to lose the audit, and so what how I, would
0: you lose the audit? I mean, the Justice Department comes in and takes it over. What do you? Oh mean?
1: yeah, that's how I became kind of famous because I said I had a, a place for Merrick Garland if he stepped foot in our state and tried to tell us what to do, and so uh, what we did. President Karen Fan, my Senate President colleague, said, "Okay, we'll forego." will forego a canvas, okay? But what happened miraculously and and uh, providentially was a bunch of private citizens in Arizona, very scholarly, smart people, who even developed their own software to do it with, did a canvas of, I don't know, a handful of precincts in Maricopa County. Now, a
0: canvas is where people go hit the streets with clipboards, they knock on the door, talk to people, and verify, right? Right. Okay.
1: And so the federal government likes to say, well, that's intimidation. No, it's not. And so anyway, this uh, group of very concerned citizens, many, many of them, uh, you know, very, very smart people, college graduate, uh, you know, really. Well, they're data
0: data people, it sounds like. Data people,
1: and they led a a yeoman effort and found out that there were about 200,000 questionable ballots just from canvassing. In Maricopa County just a few precincts so it's not only the count but it's the canvas
0: so let me so so let's unpack that a little bit they did a canvas of some number it wasn't everybody it was a small number because it's a lot of it's a lot oh, they of, went
1: for months and months
0: right but it, they thousands did, of homes right thousands but there's millions of us here right so a very small percentage and they found a lot of mess yes so um
1: Extrapolate.
0: Yeah, if you extrapolate that to the rest of the population, the numbers are pretty big. Yes. So where are the numbers that can meet this out? Obviously, I mean, someone said some adult at some point. How can the Senate, if there's a wholesale theft and robbery going on, how can the Senate be saying that their hands are tied? It seems like it seems like there's a smoking gun.
1: Absolutely, and uh, that's on each senator so if you go to your senator you're not my constituent but you go to your senator down here in phoenix and you go why aren't you voting to recall the electors here you have uh 29 different Uh, salient points from the audit that show all kinds of uh, chicanery Chicanery was the word I was going to use and shenanigans and everything else. And um, you have people like Rogers who, sure, she's a fire breather, but whatever. You know, you have people who are calling your colleagues, calling for the electors to be uh, recalled. What say you, Senator of mine? And if he or she can't stand tall and answer your question... Then he or she probably needs to be voted out.
0: You know, the tough part is I'm reasonably plugged in, and I'm still confused. And I've had, you know, uh, hey Bobby, hey, who's my Italian Marine?
1: Sonny Borelli. Yeah, Sonny, dear friend of mine.
0: We, you know, uh, he, I I I talk
1: to him every night. I started
0: talking to Sonny, and I'm telling you, like we we went for almost. I don't know. will we go for two and a half hours? And yeah. he he would have kept going. I was like, Sonny, I got I got to tap out, man." Yeah. He he was worked up, and he and he's pissed off.
1: Oh, he and I. And are, I can tell you, I can tell you're pissed bonded. off about
0: it, or passionate about it for sure. Well,
1: it's our it's our country. Well, here's the, blood
0: and treasure spilled. I, I'm the same way, but I gotta. It's the thing for me is I'm kind of an empiricist, so I can't deal with squishy. I gotta like. Well, this the,
1: isn't squishy. This is enough doubt as to the accuracy of what was submitted last January to say, without doubt, that it was flawed, and it was not accurate, and that it should not be relied upon, and thereby... Those eleven electors of Arizona's should be recalled.
0: Let me devil's advocate just for a second. Is it always a little sloppy because in a free open uh, space, people are moving in and out all the time, and nobody's really doing a great job keeping a track of the folks who die and going. That's to the... not
1: an excuse.
0: I'm I'm not these answers. No, and are it's excuse. not
1: an explanation. Okay, no. So
0: it's bigger than that.
1: Oh my god. Because let's say yeah.
0: I figure there's always some mess. Like like democracy's messy, and it's a lot to keep track of, I know. and it's a lot to count in an eight-hour that, period. Of that's... 12 hours. No, we no. used
1: to do it with paper okay i get it and we used to do it on I the know, day. on the day and so now and now in this age of technology it's too hard to do don't even go there well, you know the, the, the left the, wants the, you to think that's that.
0: why i'm asking because it's still after all these months nobody has said hey look we know 82 percent of the election was solid 18 percent's in question nine percent we found in canvassing are people who don't exist. Six percent are this. Now, if you take the remaining 18%, it's an undetermined election. If
1: only it could be that clean. But it, there are a lot of different factors that impinge. Okay, so if you say, in an ideal world, that's the result, that's, that's the coefficient that you want to be told, um, it's much more complex than that because of all the different ways of cheating and people if
0: if you guys want citizens like me to go kick down doors and make a stink we've got to be able to
1: i am waiting for that result from bernovich okay a criminal investigative result okay i am i am waiting with bated breath on that but it still doesn't stop me from saying that what we turned in last january was completely inaccurate
0: well what frustrates me is as many times as i've asked the question directly towards the epicenter of you rabble rousers who want the truth which i'm fully supportive of um, what upsets me is the how the report came out and how vague it is and and that's what's frustrating it's, it's
1: not vague in terms of by it's nebulous the, by... it's hard
0: to grab your fingers on like, well it is well because... how much is missing what's missing what how because you know what if you do let's say you do an audit recount of one county and you recount six million votes or three million votes, whatever it was, well, we should know how many of them we have good faith and we re- like you count them all, you go, okay, these are all good. You could, I,
1: I believe the result to that question is I think it in the 70,000s of we know for sure were not valid. And, and I think that number is probably a lot bigger. And
0: nobody has said if those were Trump fixated or Biden fixated.
1: Not not now, they're just not uh, reliable.
0: You right. Know? And, right, And so
1: if you have something that is not reliable, then it shouldn't be counted.
0: Right, okay. So I, mean, I, I guess it's the struggle of how to answer the question and how to, you know, you want to rally the troops, you want to rally the people. I it mean, will happen. Wouldn't it be nice if you had uh, 100,000 people with pitchforks show up down at the Capitol to say, to certify? Well, Wouldn't you like that?
1: You know, that's what my middle name is, decertify, you know, whenever <laughs> but, I see someone. But here here is the bottom line. You're brave because you're keeping our First Amendment alive. You're talking about this, you're getting this out to your listeners. I'm on podcasts all the time to do that as well with other brave uh, Americans and if we don't have this discussion and we don't shine a light on the fact that there were so many discrepancies then what happens is the mainstream media commands the narrative we cannot let the government, big tech and mainstream media command the narrative because it will create continue to create confusion and misinformation
0: let me ask you another, we'll go in a different tack uh, in a different different direction, Um, the recount audit election problems of 2020 i think uh guys are almost at this point they're like god jesus man nobody's given us straight enough answers to being able i don't even know whose door to go kick down at this point so it's a frustrating topic sure and you could sense from my conversation with you that i'm i'm, I'm a guy who wants to go kick down a door and you know take care of some business and i'm like i don't even know whose door to kick down at this point um i mean is it because of malfeasance is it because of incompetence is it because great question of, is uh, it because of collusion or is it a stacked up three, of three generations of inaccuracy that gets handed off to each elected or each uh, appointed gomer who's in charge of the election all
1: of that i call it death by a thousand cuts right
0: and i, I've, I say it's, that it, phrase too
1: it's accumulated over the years We've been complacent. Right. We also have uh, Mark Levin did an interesting piece about a month ago on this. There are um, uh, dark money packs that worked uh, to have minions at the basis uh, at the, the polling booths in California. Yeah, down I in mean, the grassroots yeah. to to. Egypt. Inject monkey business into the process. I I think
0: there was Soros money plan. I think there was Facebook money plan. There were California people at the voting polls here managing our voting. And I'm like, why are California people um, uh, overseeing? They're saying we don't have citizens who will.
1: There's a strong um, thought movement that it was attempted for Hillary Clinton, but couldn't quite be pulled off. And so, you know, then they had four more years to hone their craft and uh, all it had to happen in was, you know, five or six key nodes, which, of course, uh, uh, pivoted the Electoral College count in each of those states. Mm-hmm. And it's, in retrospect, you know, from 30,000 feet, so obvious, because when you stop counting in the middle of the night or you have a water main break or or something like that, it's just so palpably obvious um, to the casual observer, but because of the steady drumbeat of misinformation and um, uh, distortion in the media, that it creates this sort of fatigue that you just described. And then you have people who just want to get... Moving forward. Well, we can't. And they hope that you feel that way. And that's why you have Republicans like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinsinger and people like that who just uh, completely decry the whole thing and say, oh, let's just move on. People don't want to move on. Let let me inject one more little anecdote. I gave a lot of tours. Borelli and I uh, became sort of close over this too. Um, We gave a lot of tours to fellow state. Uh, House members and state senators from other, from other states. states were looking at what we were doing. Yes. And yeah. they came away knowing, A, that this was the gold standard of how to, th- do, it. How to do it. And yeah. a, B, it's replicatable. And C, they darn well wanted to find out the truth of their own state. Then, sort of, um, it morphed out of just a visit that Fincham and Borelli and I went on to the Michael and Dell Cyber Symposium in South Dakota. Then I went and did a rally in Michigan and we drove our very old car, and it's the family joke, but I ended up being gone five weeks, did rallies in all kinds of states because they knew about Arizona, they knew about Borelli and me and others, and that we had been conducting this audit, and they wanted to be inspired and encouraged, and so I went and did rallies in a whole bunch of other states, and uh, people look to us. It's it's an incredible Sort of surreal uh, realization when they look at me and go, you're Colonel Wendy Rogers and you're Arizona and you're getting to the truth. And I go, you follow me? You know that? And they follow all these alternative podcast platforms, which, by the way, total up. To more than who follows Fox News, and so back full circle to you, what you're doing by having these these revelations and explanations to workaday people who care about the future of our republic is noble and far more impactful than you realize.
0: Well, I actually do realize it because it hurts me financially a lot to be so I have my politics so connected to my company. It's yes. hurt me a lot. Yes, my employees, I think, know that I think it's kind of a noble mission that I can't back off of. So. As you know, and I, I talked about I talk about the three legs of the milk stool republic. Yes. The first leg is us citizens engaged, knowledgeable, and voting. Yes. The second leg are our citizens we send to help manage, to whom we give temporary a little bit of our liberty so that they can kind of manage the mess, the the ruling uh, crew from time to time. And then the third leg is supposed to be the press speaking truth to power, keeping honesty forward if only and as they've fallen you know we're doing our job we are all more engaged we need more to be in- more and more we are more engaged and more informed than ever before because we are getting more information from more places in real time than ever before in human history
1: and to piggyback on that one leg of the milk stool
0: the legislator part yep
1: most people don't know that the u.s constitution gave plenary power to the state legislatures to oversee the US election presidential election and most state legislators don't know that and so what I did on the 24th of September at the great reveal of our audit was I put out an audit 50 states letter that explained a lot of what you and I have talked about that it's up to us the state legislators to recall the electors in our state if corruption has been found. And in order to do that, they support the idea of an audit in their state if appropriate. And I Got, uh, I think at that point in time, 146 fellow state senators, state representatives, and they're called delegates in some Mm -hmm. states, to sign this letter from dozens of uh, states. Now we are up to nearly 200. I continue to churn and add more state senator, state representative names to it. They sign it. And now they're being held accountable in their respective state if they don't sign it and so this is an effort I've made nationally it's growing it's growing it's growing also so I would say to you listening if you're in a state where you know your state senator or state representative or more than two or three embrace election integrity you need to tee up their names and send them to me introduce them to me Info them on an email. What's your email? Team, T-E-A-M, team at wendyrogers.org. Wendy, like the hamburgers, Rogers, like Mister rogers.org Team at wendyrogers.org. And then the other thing you can do... As and that's, an,
0: you want them to send you an email and say, hey, here's my senator, and, he's, he's, he's and, all, she, and she's pro- And she's electric pro- Electric integrity. And
1: I think she would want to sign this, don't you, senator? And CC that senator. And here's the other thing if you want to go on record as being someone who feels that the november 2020 presidential election should be decertified you need to go to my website wendyrogers.org wendy w-e-n-d-y rogers r-o-g-e-r-s.org wendyrogers.org on the landing page in the upper right corner is a link You click on that link, you put in your first name, last name, email address to say that you want to sign to decertify as an individual this national symbolic petition to decertify the presidential election of November 2020. And you know how many have signed that so far? How many? 1.2 million people have signed my petition to decertify the national presidential election of 2020. That is a huge hue and a cry Yeah. from the grassroots that says this was stolen. And by the way, we're going to get to 2 million because it grows and grows because every time I'm on one of these, I give people that chance.
0: Yeah. Let's, uh, let's pop in a new direction because while, you know, uh, governments just like companies, just like big ships, um, in the old days are always, they're at sea and rebuilding simultaneously. We are at sea as a country, moving our people and our ideas forward while we're trying to fix the broken rudder that's there right now. Um, What do you see? Give me your uh, top, what do you think is the number one thing that needs to be adjusted in this country to save the republic? Because I think we're headed, currently right now, I think we're absolutely on a crash course for the rocks as as a nation, which it will be. A dark cloud uh, on humanity, because we really are a light that kind of holds it all together. I agree. What is the if you if you were king for a week and you could make or queen for the week and you could make this call, what would the call be that you would make to change the to change the trajectory of our nation?
1: We <clears throat> excuse me have to reestablish our freedoms. We've had so many rights in our Bill of Rights taken away. The tyranny, the mask mandate, the vaccine mandate. This is not about the disease. It's about the vaccine. And it's not even really a vaccine. And so what this is, is these globalists uh, the world over are trying to subjugate our entire uh, world to its will. Uh, with these uh, vaccine mandates and you can't travel, you can't have a job. So
0: let me boil it down further. So um, you're always going to have the hall monitors. Unfortunately, we get a lot of the hall monitors from high school who end up in politics. We've got the, uh, the a lot of the hall monitors from high school are the ones running this country right now. So besides the people who view the world from a position of fear, the rest of us who view it, the, the who I think is almost a minority right now, who've processed the world through freedom. You know, my... When I when something goes bump in the night, my first inclination is to not call somebody. I, I know what to do when something goes bump right. in the night in my house. Right. So there are people who process the world through personal independence and the ideas of Locke and Hume and Montesquieu. Personal independence, the fr- freedom, and personal responsibility. Right. Um, what? How do we fix those broken things? And I, I'll tell you. All right. So I, I don't well, want the
1: education I, system is our number one national security crisis in it's, a, this it's a national
0: security crisis it is it's absolutely not an education crisis it, right and, and the second thing is and and we have to cage it we have to frame them in those terms or yes. people don't listen yes oh you you say potato i say potato no, no, no it's not no, it's fundamental No, it's you dirty rotten commie good at killing billions of people over the last right. hundred years and one that brings a beacon of light of hope right where every country on planet earth actually still wants well, to come here and
1: the way they as Lenin taught the way they get at us is through our children Mm -hmm. to confuse our children uh to turn our children against us as in east germany the stasi did to little kids i mean i was stationed half my career overseas and so this is why it is so imperative that we push back now and believe me i'm busier now than i was when we were in session because of all the tyranny and i don't think the left in its wildest dreams realized that we would cave so effortless effortlessly to them uh but people are waking up i believe i hope it's in time
0: you know we're uh, in in total we're a, a gentle and peaceful and loving and ex- we assume the best of everyone and we, it's like, oh, if if all I got to do is, you know, like I'm, I haven't worn a mask. I'm an absolute crazy person about it. And the the people in my life are like, oh my God, I went to a place the other day. I went to a friend of mine's house. He's a a neurosurgeon and his community now is requiring me to show my license to get in the community. And I was, and, 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 oh,
1: a gated community. Yeah.
0: And here's what, here's the best part. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm not showing you my license. I've been here before, you know. And then they were like, well, we have to see your license. I go, okay, here it is. You can verify who I am. They want to take a picture of it and scan it in their thing. And I was like, hey, listen, you, I was like, fuck you guys. And I called my buddy. I'm, you know, he he came and picked me up. I said, I'm not giving, I don't know who these people are. This guy's got some kooky accent. I don't know what they're going to go buy a house with my information now because everything's on my driver's license. I'm just giving that out. Um, I I think that's why they were able to do this. And I think the country is bucking really hard right now. I mean, I think everybody's worldwide,
1: but they don't show it on the news.
0: No. So that, and so I'm, was going to tell you my one thing. I, Uh, The most important thing, I think, I trust Americans to make decisions pretty damn well when they have the right information because the merit of our ideas wins. Yes. And when you poll liberals and when you poll them about their children, they answer like conservatives hey do you think it's fair if your child gets an a in physics and the teachers rated on how many people pass class they can give one of the letters so your your child gets a b so that one of the f students gets maybe a c minus right. are you cool with that like, no that doesn't make sense they answer like conservatives and they like uh uh reward and merit for your effort sure. but then out in the real world they put their head clean up their ass and say something completely well they want to give
1: it, it away because because uh, they...
0: it's not theirs right Right. So I I my thing is the most important thing is how do we get the crucible of the press fixed? It's the most important thing in our republic, because we will go through eras of corruption, we will go through eras of liberalism and conservatism. However, you want to define those terms, there's always a you a, a keep a swirl. doing
1: what you're doing. <laughs> you outmarket them in the marketplace of competition of ideas, and you continue to push back now. As we discussed before walking in here, I sort of have a a fire breather uh, reputation. It's because I don't back down. I double down. And some in my family, in my own closest family members, are uncomfortable with this. (laughs) Some understand it. uh, But I don't change. And so you have to be relentless. You have to be consistent, very disciplined, and you have to just keep pushing back, not only pushing back, but then you move what's called the Overton window, which is the political window of acceptability. And so what the left has tried to do is they've tried to move that to the left by tearing down statues and saying you can't talk about certain things. Right. Well, I push back and I talk about Robert E. Lee. And I talk about things that five years ago we wouldn't have cared less about. But now it's become taboo. I don't care. Right. So I talk about it. And I move it inch by inch back. And so this whole um, notion of forced celebration of alternate lifestyles that the RNC has been pushing, I have been pushing against that in my in my uh, media. Now people say, ah, oh, you know, that's so ticklish. It is the right thing to do to talk about the right ideas. And if you cower, then you're giving in.
0: Yeah, you've already compromised on correct. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody else. I said, you know, somebody comes to you and says, I want to kill somebody. Do you negotiate with them? No, we're not killing somebody. Right. Stop.
1: Right. If somebody, but that's what's happening in Australia, New Zealand.
0: It's nuts what's going on. Yes. And if you look at what uh, they propose as normal, they're out of their goddamn minds. They're insane. Right. And so they keep
1: pushing that window. Yeah. And then yeah. we keep saying, oh, it's okay. We compromise. If I if I get the shot, then everything will be okay. No, it won't, because then in six months, they'll ask you to do the booster. And then, right. the, and what and then it, they want
0: more money. And
1: then what a decision santa say i thought which really encapsulated it well in one or two sentences the other day he said at the beginning it was 14 days to stem the curve now it's three shots to keep your job right you see how far they've moved that crazy yes
0: crazy it's almost like someone sitting behind the curtain seeing how far they can push yes and you know that's the problem with you know they give an inch the give an inch, take a mile concept, that phrase exists in a lot of languages. has been around for thousands of years because we know that to be the truth. Yes. Anybody with power, you know, that's why we always have to be pushing back. I think uh, people forget and and we've stopped teaching. I, I occasionally get asked to go talk to kids at schools. Right. And a lot of times it'll be about business or it'll be about military service or how to serve your country. And it almost always, I will end up talking about the Civil War. Uh-huh. And I like to bring up to people that, and I ask kids, I go, hey, do you know how long slavery's been around? Let's just pick something controversial. And I could see the teachers squirming. And and they'll say, oh, 100 years, or we invented it, or 1618, or, or whatever, some crazy ass number. I go, since the beginning of all human recorded history, there has been the enslavement of peoples forever. And it and, still
1: exists.
0: And I said, and you can, and I always say, and you can get on an airplane today if you can afford the ticket, and you can go to mid-continent Africa and buy a human being. So,
1: well, let's the, talk about uh, sex trafficking. Well, let's
0: talk about Yuma. I mean, it's it's it, it, it's, it's, the it's mo- around. It's
1: the modern day slave trade, for sure. And it's
0: but horrible. I, I what's happened here? You know, you said that you, it was interesting. You said the crisis is in our schools. Yes. And you're absolutely right. The crisis is allowed to happen there because it's the crisis is not being reported by the press. Right. And but they,
1: it's also parents who are disengaged. The breakup of the family is endemic, you're, you're, and, and so you you're have totally on point parents who drop their kids off and abrogate all responsibility to the state, and the state will willingly take it up and educate and brainwash your child.
0: Yeah, and so what we have really in this country, we don't have systematic racism. We have certain groups of people who've broken up their family and set themselves up for failure. Yes. So when you point that out, it make, they, they don't make like you think that. it's a ra- you're a racist. Right. But it's really what's going on. If you raised um, the average white population with the same divorce, broken home and absent father rate that you did, for instance, black males in Detroit or black families in Detroit, you'd have the same. I think you'd have a very similar outcome. Yes. You would have a group of people in and out of jail who have uh, misplaced uh, focus in their culture and are not thriving and wonder why. It's, you gotta have parents around, e- even if they live next door to each other. Mom and dad's gotta be around pushing.
1: Absolutely, especially the dad. Yeah, I mean, uh, young males who don't could, have a dad are right. how many more times likely? W- to be women, women don't,
0: when women, women don't seem to go crazy and mess everything up, but boys definitely will if there's not uh, some, some serious rails.
1: Well, you have a son and a daughter. We have a son and a daughter, and we have six grandchildren, and um, it's. The honor and joy of our lives, my husband and I have been married 43 years. We both served 20 years in the military. We've owned a small business now. Nothing is uh, extravagant and as big and wonderful as your business, but we o- owned a home inspection business for 23 years. We just sold it last year when I got elected and uh, had our own office building, which we sold. And so I- I've seen on a smaller scale than you all the different sort of um variances in owning a business and creating jobs and hiring people and seeing what it means to to make payroll and all of those kinds of things and that's sort of full circle what led me to run for office i had run a few times before it's sort of the arizona joke how many times it took rogers to get elected but you can never give up Okay, I've knocked tens of thousands of doors riding my bicycle. I knocked 17,000 doors to get elected this last time. People are just agog when they see the candidate on their doorstep. And there's no refuting it because of the ring doorbell watches everything now. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had the most moving, enlightening conversations with people because it's on their territory, it's on their doorstep. And they're comfortable. And, right, and they're very... Um, annoyed and bothered and they feel powerless with what's going on in the country. And when someone speaks up for them, it's uh, very gratifying to them. And so I know my constituents. Um, They know how to get hold of me. I do a lot of events all over my district. And they know that when they reach out to me, they're going to get an answer either through my campaign, wendyrogers.org, or through my office downtown.
0: If somebody wants to donate and support you, because every time you uh, run for office, you need some money. Oh, I know. Yes, um, thank
1: you. Uh, wendyrogers.org. Just go to the website, and there's a donate button. And um, wendyrogers.org. But there's sort of a funny corollary to that, and this came up this morning with my new assistant. And she said, uh, so-and-so group lobbyist group wants to meet with you take you to dinner i i messaged her privately and said uh you need to find a discreet diplomatic way to tell them i don't i'm not interested and i'll tell you why because my colleagues can do it all day long it's fine i don't have a problem that's their call but i won't because i don't take donations from lobbyists i return them my uh, volunteer that opens my mail returns them with a form letter And it's because I don't work for the state Senate. I don't work for the governor. I bet you
0: drive people crazy, don't you, Wendy?
1: And I don't work for these lobbyists. (laughs) I work for my constituents. I love it. I love it. And they elected me. I love it. And and yeah, I only make $24,000 a year, but that's not why you do this, okay? You do it because you and I signed, raised our arm to support and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that is a life long oath
0: right that, i never got unsworn
1: that's right <laughs> that's right and so you know we, we we have different branches of the military in my family I, I come from a long line of army officers our son became a marine i have a cousin who so was you guys Navy. Are, what you're
0: saying is you guys are evolving
1: well <laughs> It's funny because our son, uh, George, who's 34 now, Ph.D. engineer, the father of four of our grandkids. God,
0: doesn't sound like a Marine.
1: Uh, He's an amazing uh, talent. He's very serious, very intense. And um, I said, uh, why don't you want to go into the Air Force? And he goes, oh, it's too soft. Okay. (laughs) And then, of course, when my father, who was an Army officer, swore me in, my friends said to my father, aren't you disappointed she didn't go into the army? And my dad looked at them with a deadpan expression and said, I'm just glad she got a job. <laughs> you know, So we have great um, love for all branches of the military yeah. across the generations. And our son, for example, said, I want to be in the military. He's out now, obviously. But I said, listen, you know what I'm going to do for you, George? I'm going to send you to people I know in various branches of the military for days. Like I sent him to my cousin who is a, an Annapolis graduate. I put him on a plane. I said to my cousin, brainwash him all you can for four days. Send him home. I'm going to step away. You need to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And so he chose the Marine Corps because, as you know, uh, it's very... Because
0: of our sexy uniforms.
1: It's very spit and polished.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my God. That's the first thing he you said, you know, Jason, there's a Marine. All of us were like, well, because of these shoes and the pants, of course. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, it, it's, I'm so proud of him. And, yeah. of course, you know, the stories, we sent him to boot camp when he was 17. He had to finish high school exams early to go. Mm-hmm. And he had, uh, he enlisted in the reserves for four years and then became an officer. Did, and, he, do, did he
0: do PLCs while he was in college? Yes. Yeah, that's And
1: what I did. so uh, he... Yeah, so he went to boot camp, and he said, I'm going to have my birthday there at boot camp. Don't send me anything. Don't send me cookies. Oh, my God, I hope you sent him a cake. And I, I said, okay, enough said. So we picked him up at the end. And he goes, actually, guys were getting cookies, and they were allowed to open them and stuff. And I said, no, I, you told me what to do, and I did it. And he goes, no, no, I know, Mom. I know, Mom. But <laughs> It's a kinder,
0: gentler core. You
1: know, like, before he went, boot camp. He had that year of high school once a week, go see the gunny and work out as a group and mm-hmm. all that. And they took him on a Saturday downtown uh, near Meps to give him a practice boot camp day. Mm-hmm. And they were driving him back home in the back seat and the gunny looked behind and said, well, George, what'd you think of practice boot camp day? And he, without missing a beat says, ah, oh, it's nothing compared to my mother. <laughs> I said, you said that to your gunny? Yes. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm a hard mom, but look, <laughs> look, you know I don't know what to say. He's he's a harder dad though. His kids are in shape, boy. Well,
0: when 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 uh, when we finish today, I'll walk out and make sure I introduce you to my mom. It was so funny. I was in boot camp, and and uh, I was just you know I didn't. I didn't try it. I just did my best and right. did my thing and kept right. to myself because I just figured this is the best way to get through this with the least amount of angst in my soul. Yes. And uh, I actually got through it pretty breezy. And, I, you know, the drill instructors are bouncing their covers off people's foreheads, screaming at everybody. Yes. And I was like, oh, man, my mom and dad have done this to me. This, yes. this, this, this is nothing, you know. So my dad was uh, Air Force. And both my parents are pilots. So I got this real, uh, you know, kind of... Anal. Well... <laughs> You know, take care of yourself and yes. self-reliance. Yes. Yeah, and, and
1: don't rely on anyone else because it's your, uh, you know what, in a sling.
0: I, I don't know how that all got inculcated to me, but it did. And and so now my mom works here. She's in accounting and bookkeeping for love me. Love that. And, uh, and my dad breezes through, you know, once every week yes. or two when we have lunch. But um, I love having my family around. And I think they're, uh, they're uh, it's funny you were talking about giving voice to people. And I think I kind of give voice. Because they love the country as much yes. as I do.
1: Had to have to raised you.
0: My grandfather got off the boat, and this is a. I, don't, I know you've got things to do, so I'll let you go after this. But he got off the boat from Greece during World War One, um, and if I obviously knew him as an older man, and if he talked about becoming an American citizen, he'd cry.
1: Yes. Yes, it's it's. The first generation immigrants who so appreciate.
0: Because they had a country fail them. Right. And they left.
1: And I have Eastern Europeans and Russians come to me to this day. I was texting one of them last night from Latvia, who lives in Cottonwood in my district (laughs) and does more activism than almost anyone I know. And I'm trying to find her a job because this is her passion.
0: They see the real country.
1: Yes. And so they. she wants to be involved. She's not a U.S. citizen even. And she wants to help and become involved because she doesn't want this to happen. I was in North Carolina and someone uh, came up from Ukraine. I've been to Ukraine. That was one of my last TDYs in the military and came up to me and talked to me. And it was so precious. I said, may I video you? Will you please just summarize what you told me in, in 60 seconds? And I videoed it because... That kind of uh, near-term relevance and experience needs to be communicated to people. They need to understand, like Reagan said, I mean, we're only a generation away from from losing it. And on my end, um, our daughter and I used to travel a lot together before she got married and now has her own two kids and Mm -hmm. husband. But um, I took her to Auschwitz. I took her to the killing fields uh, of Cambodia I've taken her to these places, and she has, and our son, of course, being a Marine, understands it, too. Uh, They have a deep-seated reverence for this country and an appreciation that a lot of kids will never have because Americans are pretty spoiled, and they're pretty egocentric. And um, we just talked to our daughter yesterday. Both of her little sons are going to grow up bilingual. I'm big on that, too, because it, it... gives you a perspective of how precious our country is and what a place in the world we have as you said to be the bright shiny light
0: I uh the the last few years have been so hard hearing about how awful and racist the place is and I can't say much because I'm just a white guy I kind of fit yeah you can I fit the column of shut up but I don't shut up right um and I'm not supposed to say much. I'm supposed to shush up now, but I always say to people, I go, you know, I was talking to my teenagers about this because they're hearing this history at school. And, and, uh, and I go, you know, they, I learned about all this in school too. Let me tell you my version of this. My version of this is nobody was doing it right in 1861. And we killed a quarter million of each other. we didn't have a benevolent King or some theorist. A quarter million of us, nobody has ever done this, killed each other to emancipate. It had never been codified before that, and it became the law of the land, and we chose that. No one told us to do that, and that's a hard thing because in all human history, it had existed everywhere. Yes. And we killed a quarter million of each other to say that that can't be anymore, and that doesn't get fixed overnight, and that doesn't happen in a crappy country. That happens in an amazing place. And
1: it takes just a few to lead and inspire others. So before we walked in here, you and I talked about how you went to Gettysburg College, and I talked to you about Colonel Doug Mastriano, who may run for governor of Pennsylvania, who's a fellow state senator with me, who's also a retired military officer. And I told you how he took us on a seven-hour personal tour of Gettysburg, the three-day battle. What I didn't tell you was when we were on Little Round Top, he talked about Joshua Chamberlain. Now, my forebears were from Maine and probably knew him. According to my older brothers, he, uh, they knew him. And, of course, uh, Joshua Chamberlain was an academic, sort of a mousy, um, apolitical guy who rose into the uh, job of being general, commanding general, and on the third day basically saved the union, his unit against an Alabama unit, Uh, at the very end of the battle line, uh, saved the Union. And so Doug Mastriano was teaching our little tour group about this and saying how pivotal one man was, just like 2,400 people were with George Washington uh, crossing the Delaware. So about a week later, I was texting Doug, and my husband had long since fallen asleep and, We were on this long road trip I told you about, and he was having um, problems in Pennsylvania getting this audit thing going. And uh, the last thing he texted to me was Little Round Top, which was code between him and me Mm -hmm. for never giving up and always realizing that you as an individual might inspire people you don't even realize then or in the future. And it was just this, this little understanding we had. And then, um, you know, fast forward, and I haven't even said this publicly yet, but, um, you know, I had the opportunity to uh, talk to the president recently, President Trump. The real president. And uh, we were chatting, and somehow Pennsylvania came up. And I said, well, I'm a fan of Doug Mastriano. He said, so am I. And we talked about that. I called Doug the next day and told him, I said, darndest thing, we're talking about you, you know, when he and I were chatting like more than Arizona in a way. And all of this is to say that we're inextricably tied together as what I would call a reawakening in this country of patriots who understand the pivotal role of just a few leaders being able to make a difference in each state as sort of these these nodes of of inspiration and you don't know what god places you in the circumstance of i ran for i ran for federal office twice us congress but i submit to you that if I were in the U.S. Congress today, I couldn't have the impact that I'm having as a state senator because of the role right now that state legislatures are playing. are playing. Yeah. And so I've had so many people come up to me, people of faith in the faith community, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, come up to me and go, you realize that you're in the right place at the right time uh, at this moment in our history, don't you? And I go, yeah, I I think I do, because I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I know that my job is to move forward an inch a day and to keep uh, moving the football down the field, because I don't know how it's going to turn out, but you and I know being military that our job is to get up, do do push-ups in the morning. Keep pushing. That's what I I get up. I roll out of bed. I do push-ups. I... And then I just start my day, make my bed. What's that three-star general that said, you got to make your bed. I I always make my bed, make our bed. And, um, you know, I follow that sort of regimen every day and I don't know how it's going to turn out, but that's not what's important. It's doing what's right every day and never giving up. And so if you had said to me two years ago, Hey Rogers, um, you're going to be a state senator. In a state that will figure into whether or not the truth or figure into finding out what the truth was for 2020, and you're going to be in the chamber, it's the state senate, not the state house that did the, the mm-hmm. audit, and you're going to do it with a one-vote majority. And I would have thought, you can't even paint that picture. It was so improbable and implausible. If someone had said that to me two years ago, I would have just said, how, what? Right. So you never know what is expected of you, you just have to do what's right.
0: Think about Trump just for a minute. And yes. We I guess we can leave everybody with this thought. I've I th- I said one of the most fascinating things about him. I I the day he announced, you know, I turned to my wife at the time and I said, "Hey, he's going to be the next president. He has to be he's perfect for it. I want someone to run through the temple with a whip, k- kicking over tables." Yes. Because it's so awful. Yes. I'd been feeling this decaying malaise since Reagan, and and that I've been struggling with. Yes. And then I saw this guy come in. uh, I'll tell you two very quick stories, and you'll appreciate him. The thing about him being such being a firebrand himself, willing to roll up his sleeves and get into it, not being too much the gentleman to have the discussion. Right.
1: We have too many mean tweets. We
0: have too many people hiding behind taking a position behind gentlemanly, right. behind politeness. I couldn't agree more. And I'm like, I, I actually don't need any more guys with French cuffs. I don't need any more right. politeness. Just stop already. Yes. Because the emperor is naked. Yes. There are no clothes on him. Agreed. And so we've got this guy. The best thing about him, and I'll tell you, this is my this is the way I get up and still smile. The election didn't work out the way I hoped. But in fighting him and thwarting him this time, we actually all saw everybody. We get to know who they are. Yes. The thing about him is he exposes those against him. Yes. Because he didn't have a political grind. He had a very success grind. So everybody against him, we got to find out who the rhinos were. Super clear. You can go right down the whole list. Real, real, real rhino, rhino, real, rhino, rhino. And then you see people change because of it. And that it's been the most fascinating thing for me, and I absolutely love the guy. I'm I'm not a fanboy. I've never been a fanboy. I love, I love him. Yes. And
1: he's very genuine, and oh. he's very down to earth. And also, to your point, as a corollary, we wouldn't know the corruption in our system that's
0: been going on forever.
1: Right. So if he had won, we would have been complacent yeah. and not oh, okay. dug into Everything's it. Everything's good.
0: Yeah. Um, so and
1: there are states that where where he did win. That I'm supporting candidates in U.S. Senate candidates, three different states, and um, uh, Missouri, Ohio, and uh, Oklahoma. Who are the candidates? Oh, I'm so su- I've uh, outwardly endorsed uh, Jackson Lawmeyer in okay. uh, Oklahoma, who is a pastor whose church stayed open. Uh, also, um, Marine um, uh, Josh Mandel in Ohio. Okay, I've done rallies for these guys. Uh, also um, Eric Greitens, former Navy SEAL in Missouri, and then Miss uh, Sandy Smith in North Carolina. Uh, those four for U.S. Congress uh, come to mind right now. Oh, also in um, Washington State, um, Joe Kent, who's uh, former military as well, Army officer, Special Forces. These people have to meet certain criteria. They have to have so much cash on hand to be viable, we do a complete vetting Uh, they have to be MAGA candidates and they have to be all about audits in their state. And in most cases I think each one of these was the first in his or her state to call for it. So anyway, um, I, I digress, but this is, these are the people who will make a difference and it is so important that we get behind these people. This is why I agree with you. I think the overreach has been, horrible by the left but stand by for more oh yeah you're gonna see They're they're
0: gonna try but their capital is spent yeah they played the wrong game you know what's so funny i've said this a bunch of times the democrats lost the greatest opportunity they ever had the guy they had in the white house was an ideologue he was a deal maker they lost an opportunity to have a bunch of wins because you know what he wanted to do? He actually did want to spend a trillion dollars on bridges and roads yeah. instead of the bullshit that they've been trying to cram up our ass for the last year. He he was a guy they could have won with repeatedly because when he came in, the Republicans were more against him than the Democrats were practically. I mean, they were unhinged and nutty. But they missed this just golden opportunity to be like, look, we put aside the fact we hate the guy and go, God, we could not deal, deal with him. We couldn't have done with a Republican in 100 yes. years. They just, they're, they're self-destructive. Unfortunately, right now, they're, they're kind of tearing down everything else.
1: Well, right. And now it's incumbent upon us states. I mean, I, I think Arizona can build the wall. I put in for seven hundred million dollar appropriation. I'm a new senator, but I did some very forward-leaning things this last session, and I put in for seven hundred million. It went through committee, okay, um, which was unprecedented. It didn't get a lot of press, but I believe uh, if we, when we have a new governor, that that's doable. Um, yeah. it, it, it's really a political will kind of thing. Oh, I,
0: I uh, totally agree. And, I, I, and
1: the heartbeat bill, I put in for the heartbeat bill. I re-put in for it just recently. Uh, the House has a mirror bill going. Uh, I've put in a lot of bills. Uh, and again, this is moving the Overton window. You have to ask for everything you can. Push hard. And push, push, yeah. push. Fight, fight, fight.
0: So let me ask you, who uh, who do you see for governor in the next term?
1: Well, I haven't gotten involved um on that level yet, but uh, I think
0: it's who do you think it's going to be?
1: I, I think, well, already the polling shows Carrie Lake. I mean, right. you have to consider she's I, been in everyone's living room yeah. for 20 years, and I know what the market. Of advertising costs. Uh, The name recognition
0: is gigantic. Yeah, and Phoenix
1: is the most exorbitant.
0: What do you think about her? Have you met her and talked to her?
1: She's a great gal. Yeah. Yeah, I know her. Um, We're both mothers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're both uh, fighters. And uh, again, I haven't endorsed uh, anyone in Arizona. Um, Well, I take that back. I have endorsed uh, Joe Arpaio to be the mayor of Fountain Hills.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, he called me a couple months ago and said, Colonel, you know, I I love the president and I want to support him. And I know I can do it better if I'm an elected official. (laughs) And what do you think? He calls me like every month. And I said, wow, I really like that idea because uh, mayors have gone rogue in our state. They flout us state legislators with legislation that we pass and you would be a role model. And uh you know, I just started ticking off all the reasons I liked it. And he goes, you know what? What, Sheriff? Well, I wasn't sure, but then now that I've talked to you, I'm going to
0: do it. <laughs> so did, did he... Is
1: oh, he... he announced a long time ago.
0: Okay, so he's running... He's
1: only 89.
0: Oops, seems like he's it a makes baby. sense.
1: You know why he looks so good? Because of all the olive oil I've had. It makes my skin look really young, you know. Oh, my God. So he's, he's one of my favorite people. And I'll tell you why. Because he keeps his promises, because he's unflinching, and because he's consistent. And when he first endorsed me when I ran for Congress a few years ago, he goes, you know, some people that I endorse, they act like they don't know me when I start taking a little heat. And I go, I'm not like that. My family and I think you're great. I remember learning about you in the driveway of my home in Germany uh, after church one Sunday in the early 90s. You know, I said, I will never abandon you. I am not like that. And he goes, okay, you know. And then then we've just been really good friends ever since. And he's supported me. I've supported him because he is an unflinching conservative. When I got elected, one of my colleagues came up to me. I had not met him before, another state senator. And he goes, I think it's great that you won and you stayed hard right. I said, don't say hard right. That's what the left calls me. I'm unflinchingly conservative. I said, you have to define the terms don't, as we want them, yeah. not as the left wants don't them. Don't
0: self spin yourself. That's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I got to, I it's kind of one of my first kind of political things is uh, a friend of mine in town who's a big donor. He said, uh, he calls me and he goes, and I'm going to do his impersonation. He's got a squeaky eye and a voice like this. He's deceased now, but he says, Greg, he says, "I'm gonna go. I'm supposed to have lunch with Joe Arpaio and some gal who wants to be governor. Like the f- three of us. Would you please come along? Because I want you to. I want you to kind of get in everybody's grill." I was like, "Okay, Frank, I'll come along." So.
1: Oh, go. I know uh, Frank. Frank Soma? Yes, he donated to me.
0: So frank and i are sitting there and it's this gal christine who was in house counsel for godaddy yes. and, and, and uh, she
1: ran for u.s congress
0: and she ran for governor yes here. yes and uh, arpaio her me and, and then her husband who i believe is an air force colonel he was sitting down like a table away kind of witness ever so we were talking it, and uh she was courting arpaio trying to get his endorsement because he was kind of big national news at the time frank and i are sitting there quiet as could be and i remember she was almost just dancing on the table, and I and he wasn't going to give it up. And no. she was asking about. It was one of the funniest lunches I've ever been to. And I turned around and said, "Hey, listen, you seem like a carpetbagger from Colorado. Going to come down here and save all of us hillbillies in Arizona from ourselves? But what do you really want to? Why do you? What, what are you going to do for Arizona?" And she couldn't tell me what she wanted to do. And uh, she was a real nice gal, and she was clearly bright and all that. But it was almost like, well, I did this big public go public with a company and I've made enough money now I just think I should be in charge. She didn't really have like a mission. No. What's your mission?
1: My mission is to restore the freedoms that we're losing and you know just to to push back now. I mean when I started out it was the I I thought well I have this talent set I've been an officer in the military for 20 years I've owned my own business for 23 years I have a lot of experience level-headedness uh, maturity and devotion to duty that I can bring to the table. Well, now it's a bare-knuckled fight uh, to survive and is to it, push back. It's it's sort of morphed into this life-or-death struggle now.
0: Is it worse than you thought it was going to be? Is it fun? Yes. And is it worse than I'm, you thought I'm it was I'm good at be?
1: it because I'm a connector of people. That's sort of my, my gift. Um, it isn't what I predicted, but I feel like I've been raised for this moment i feel like my parents are looking down on me saying you need to do your mission this is how we raised you and uh go forth and complete the mission that's how my family is
0: so if you're if, if your uh, political legacy, I don't know what your aspirations are. Um, if I,
1: to be reelected as a state senator.
0: <laughs> okay, good.
1: WendyRogers.org. <laughs> if, you're, uh,
0: if your legacy is being um, one of the butterflies in the effect of election integrity nationwide for the republic, that's probably a pretty solid thing to have your kids hang on the mantle. So that's, well, that's it's, pretty it's, awesome. It's
1: all to uh, do what you and I were uh sworn an oath to do and that's protect our country and that's the underpinning it's the number one issue I don't care what polling organization tells you what the number one issue on people's minds across the country I can say irrefutably is election integrity and
0: because without it we have uh, yeah
1: and yeah. I've had candidates call me Oh, I wanna get your input I might run and I want your coaching and all this and I go where are you on election integrity this is an actual conversation i had with a statewide <laughs> candidate and i don't think they expected this and uh the guy said um oh i'm all about election integrity i said really i said are you willing to publicly say we should decertify silence chirp chirp silence yeah uh Well, uh, you know, you need to rethink yourself, look yourself in the mirror and realize that unless you're willing to put your big toe in the water and say what needs to be said on that, you know,
0: why didn't you win your first two elections?
1: Uh, I ran in a, you, you have to, that's the next thing people ask me. Well, I want to run. Have you done an analysis of your district? Is it winnable numbers wise? Are there more Democrats than Republicans?
0: Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still did fabulously well. But then also, um, I didn't win uh, that last time I ran for Congress. I was actually uh, tied with my Democrat opponent for Congress. This is in northern Arizona, Tom Uh, Uh, O'Halloran. Politico.com rated my uh, race as a toss-up, which was amazing. Right. And then in the last, oh, I don't know. For those of
0: you who don't know, uh, uh, incumbent, deep-seated Democrat, a- Arizona. Well,
1: he's just kind of a, you know, go along to get, get along guy. I mean, I've met him. He's nice enough, but irrespective of that. Um, three weeks before the election, Nancy Pelosi's PAC uh, injected, I want to say, I think it was $4 million against me in the last three weeks. I, I couldn't fundraise to counter that, so I got pummeled. It's fundraising. You have to have the rocket fuel to get your message out i have innumerable candidates come to me and say i'm running and i have these attributes right
0: how How much money do you have
1: right because unless you can get that word out skillfully um again this is like campaign 101 but there are different spheres there's radio there's tv there's door knocking there's fundraising there's the digital sphere which is huge And um, all these different levels. And so, for example, I ran in a district that they said would be a toss-up race. Well, the last three weeks of my race, uh, we realized something fundamentally important. I'm in northern Arizona. People care about the forests. People care about clean water. People care about not having Flagstaff turn into Portland. Why seed ground, you're military, you're an infantryman, why seed ground to your opponent on these issues just because? I We decided as a team, heck no. Republicans are all about thinning the forests so that we manage our forests well. Republicans are all about clean water. Republicans are all about getting homeless on their feet. And so I went and recorded a bunch of ads about that. I said, I don't want... Uh, Northern Arizona to become um, California, and that was very clear. Guess- it doesn't
0: mean it doesn't mean change who you are. It means but speak to the issues. Absolutely. Of your voter. Right.
1: And so what Republicans often do is they seed ground on these kinds of issues that independents are yearning for leadership on. Of course. And so I won Coconino County two to one on election day voting, and it's a hugely Democrat county, but it's because. Independence broke for Wendy Rogers because I elucidated the facts on where I stood. I'm on the Natural Resources Committee at the State Senate. It's important that I am. I have to deal with issues in Sedona and Flagstaff in particular. And so a lot of Republicans just are so milk toasty, and they're afraid to, to and, and you think to me, you go, Senator Rogers, I would have thought your issues are election integrity and Second Amendment. They are. I got a bill passed as a freshman state senator that accords essential business status to ammo shops and gun stores during an emergency. Huge bill. And I'm a brand-new senator, and Ducey signed it. And people were just sort of agog at that. It, you don't get unless you ask. You don't get unless you push. Sure. And so, again, you know, I'm all about, I'm a lifetime member of the NRA, um, everyone, everyone in my so you, family you, you is check CT- the
0: conservative boxes also. Yeah, but it's because who, who I am
1: and right. I put in the heartbeat bill. And, and so you say to me, whoa, natural resources, really, Wendy? Uh, yeah. Cause it's where I represent. Right. It's my life. Right. It's I, not I,
0: contradictory to conservatism. I live
1: exactly. Right. I live among huge ponderosa pines in Flagstaff. Right. And, uh, you know, Flagstaff's very liberal. I'm supporting a candidate who's conservative. Her name's Lori Matthews. She's going to get elected because she works. I go door to door with her. She fundraises. She has a homeless uh, transition facility that God told her one night, Lori? Wake up in the morning, buy an old rundown hotel on Route 66 and turn it in to a homeless transition facility where they have to take classes. They have to have a job. They have to pay into a kitty every month. And she's running for mayor up there? She's running for city council. City council, okay. MBA, single mom of three sons who are now grown. And she's the only person I've gotten behind uh, uh, really uh, adamantly because she works and she does the plan. Mm-hmm. She goes out every night, gets signatures. I've gone with her. and People recognize me because they voted for me and stuff. And, um, you know, I have supported her because she can actually make a difference. It's so loony liberal up there <laughs> and it all rolls graphically downhill from Flagstaff, the silliness on the minimum wage and all this kind of thing yeah. that if we can get one or two, Good strong conservatives in there, and it's a nonpartisan race. I get that, but I helped her with her messaging. I said, people want their schools back. Right. People want to be able to live in Flagstaff. It's not even affordable anymore. People, you know, want just the basic uh, rights that a Flagstaff resident used to have, and so you know, her messaging is that, and it's resonating far and wide. And she she's a mama bear. 80% success rate she has with anewliving.org, with her organization. 80% success. Right. Get out of the cycle of homelessness. Right. 50 people live there. She runs this on a shoestring budget. I think it should be replicatable statewide. Right. Because it's all about responsibility. It's all about people who go there, sign a contract. They end up staying there probably about two years. They get out of homelessness and story, if you go to anewliving.org, a n e w living.org, there are testimonials of people who've been through the program. This came to her in a dream. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a woman who was sort of uh, a Christian, you know, but then this was a profoundly moving experience to her. I know her through Church in the Nations, where we both attend and Flagstaff. Sure. But these are the kinds of Americans. She's not military or anything. But she's...
0: But she's doing a mission. She
1: follows through, Oh,
0: well, okay? And yeah. she
1: gets it done, and she has a success rate. Right. And there's nothing glitzy about it. I mean, there's paint peeling. She finds volunteers to do the plumbing, the carpentry. She has two people who live on site. Um, I've gotten to know them. And this is the kind of activism that is doable, it's affordable, and it teaches responsibility. Sure, And I'm just so... I hold her up as an example. If you had said, well, you know, Wendy, I wouldn't have pegged you for someone who's into the homelessness issue. Well, I, I wouldn't have thought, but I met her at church and I saw what works.
0: Plus it's a problem in her community.
1: Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so fixable. If it's done right. She's kicked people out, too, who haven't <laughs> paid into the kitty or measured up or bought a flat screen TV when they should have been making their monthly payments. Right,
0: right. Did and she
1: you, she doesn't flinch.
0: Do you know uh, Walt uh, Blackman?
1: Yes, he's a co-legislator. Uh, he's running for U.S. Congress now.
0: Yeah. Um, I had him in and talked to him as well, and it was interesting. You know, he's a pretty conservative guy. And he had some very similar homelessness and some other things that he says he was out of step on in the greater Republican Party, but they were issues that spoke to his constituency that he had to address because yeah, because he and
1: he and I uh, represent the same geographic area, mm-hmm. and our constituents are very uh, emphatic about us going to Phoenix to represent them because they don't feel Repres- well well represented yeah, as yeah. rural. I went to a a gathering in Joseph City. Uh, I have a distant cousin, a Rogers cousin. We call each other cousin. He helps me out over there. It's a very small community, um, very uh, hardworking people. I don't know if you know where it is, but it's uh, east of Flagstaff on the way to Holbrook. And so... I went there with my husband, and uh, it was a bunch of really sort of stone-faced people in an old gym with an old wooden floor, <laughs> and, you know, just as a kid was bouncing a basketball, and, uh, you know, it was kind of like that painting where the guy's holding the pitchfork, and the woman's... American
0: Gothic. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I thought, oh, this is a tough crowd, Even the... and my cousin himself was falling asleep. <laughs> so anyway, all of a sudden I said something where I said, We came over here from Flag today on I-40 and there were so many semi-trucks and um, everybody like woke up, bing! And I thought, what did I say? And they said, State Route 377 is a death highway. It's the hypotenuse of the triangle. They didn't say that, but I looked on the map. And people die all the time, head-ons. There are no shoulders. It's horrible. And they just started going off. Well, I picked two people in the crowd I said, you need to document this for me. I'm a very task-oriented person. I will look this up. And so long story short, I've gotten the money now for ADOT to study that and fix it. They sent me nine pages, Greg, single space, typewritten, anecdotal uh, examples of accidents and injuries and deaths. And I brought that to the appropriations people at the Senate. I said, I'm kind of new, you know, (laughs) and they looked at that and went, "Uh, we've never seen documentation like this. And it only took three days. And my cousin went out with a camera he and another person and started sending me Sometimes pictures. Sometimes you
0: just got to do the work and But ask, this is right? the
1: thing, right? right? On a Saturday in an old gym it's with a wooden too floor. Too many people
0: want to do cocktail parties and, and be seen yes. than fix problems. And and they yes. want to own the issue and not fix the problem. And that's, our whole country is full of it. And it really takes citizen, citizen legislators who are living, who are seeing the problem um, and who aren't there for the, the, big money and they're not there for the the pictures in the news listen I know you've got to go we have run over it's wonderful having it's you and like it's been great meeting week. you <laughs> thank you hey appreciate you being here you know this doesn't happen the Republican the Republic doesn't happen without people fighting the good fight and it doesn't happen without people pushing that window towards the right because there's people pushing right. crazy on the left right. the thing is I I actually don't think we're wrong. I'm not a relativist like everybody else. We're right. I think we're correct. And I think they're wrong. And my, I, 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 I always think about Thomas Sowell, the economist. Yes. The, the economist. And he, he talks about intellectualism being uncoupled from experiential reality and testing intellectualism minus empiricism is a nightmare with the two of them together or wisdom yes and I see the left in a dark hole of intellectualism uncoupled well they want
1: to suck us down into it
0: they, th- they think because of degrees or they think because they've learned a theory and we go, but yeah, but the theory's been tried and that doesn't work. And and it's in almost everything and we see it everywhere. We don't yes. have to look at Venezuela. We don't have to look at USSR. We don't have to look at these failed things. We, we can see it in our own communities with these leftist policies that fail time and time again. So I appreciate you. They're being there, doing the good fight. I appreciate you being a firebrand. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to stop in and chat with us. And while the the media, the establishment media that's been around for 200 years fails, there'll be a bunch of citizens like us pushing it. We have to. Trying to get, the, trying to get our truth out there as best we can. Yes, um, and
1: it's incumbent upon us. Yeah, upon you I, and me.
0: Yeah, I don't know what I, I, I don't know what else to do. Exactly. And it actually soothes my soul yes. to say it and get it out there. Yes. And have people, you know, send me the hear here, yeah, rah, rah. Thanks for saying it. I right
1: and so, i don't even i i just know looking in the mirror in the morning uh that it's the right thing to do oh And yeah. there's solace in that
0: no i know i i you know to thine own self be true right. i feel pretty good about doing what i'm doing yes. and you know i asked everybody I'm like, are you guys okay because i know it hurts the bottom line a little bit and we're busy as can be
1: heck no you're said, fine uh, you're gonna grow because of it more and more
0: i you know what i find i find it mm, not crazy unhinged lefties, but left of center. The the maybe one half of the they left. They
1: appreciate resolute background,
0: Backbone. They, they don't. They don't mind you being authentic. Right. They'll be like, yeah, and you know, I'll forgive the guy because I don't mind a good solid left of center argument if they know their if they right. know their shit. Right. But, but don't give me any any uh, Don Lemon arguments or Anderson Cooper bullshit. No. You know?
1: And I'm not going I'm not going to be here to placate you. This yeah. is who I am. And this is what I stand for.
0: Well, awesome meeting you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, guys, that's the show. Thanks for stopping in. Um, We're going to try and rip these conversations over the next uh, year as we get towards the uh, midterm elections. I think you're going to see a title shift in this country that's going to get us... Um, you know, I don't need, I I don't want to be arrogant and say back on track, but I think we need to be on a clear and honest track and whatever that ends up being, I have to trust the mess of democracy and we kind of all have to, but at least the game has got to be fair. And if the game is fair, I'll take however it gets called, but you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be an old man sitting back regretting the big game for the bad call, taking the loss that's hard to swallow. And I think all of us, it's incumbent upon all of us to listen to the conversations, slow down life a little bit, turn your podcast on where you're doing something else that maybe is a little mundane where you can have your brain diverted and, uh, and, and hear from people who are actually in the trenches doing this and avoid the mainstream media at all costs because they are the worst thing our country's ever experienced. I think they're worse than China. I think they're worse than the Soviet union was. And, uh, I, um, I, I smile at the uh, at, at their failure as it comes upon them. So thanks for being here and uh, I'm out.